What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give an Ovation. I am joined today by Leslie Silverglide. Now, she is a grad from Johns Hopkins, Oxford, and Stanford, but she's more than just a thinker. She is a doer. She was the co-founder and CEO of Wello.com, which was acquired by Weight Watchers. Or is it WW? What it, it's I, I, WW now. Okay. I was confused by like this branding change. Okay. Yeah. WW. Mm-hmm. Now, while she did this, she also co-founded Mixed Greens, which we were just talking about this before we hit record kept me going in San Francisco. I love mixed greens. If you haven't been, it's amazing. Just crisp, fresh, delicious, healthy, and it's actually like really good. Um, And now she is full-time, not just the co-founder, but also the CEO of Mixed Greens and Split, uh, over 20 20 locations and growing. Leslie, thank you so much for joining us and give an ovation. Absolutely. Good morning. So first of all, tell me a little more about mixed greens and splits. Like, w- what inspired it, uh, and and how are things going? Yeah, absolutely. So, I going back to my education. So I did a master's in biodiversity conservation and management. So oh, of course, mouthful- yeah. I, I I was doing that last week. I just, just like, <laughs> it's a mouthful. <laughs> I know that, um, but essentially, it's environmental science. And while I was studying, I realized that. The biggest way I could make an impact was to start a business that really tried to change the way an industry operated in terms of its environmental footprint. And I have a deep, deep passion for health and wellness. And so uh, love to eat as a lot of us do. And so just <laughs> looking and, and seeing what was available at the time, this was back in 2004, 2005 that if you really wanted to get something that was delicious, it was locally sourced, um, really brought together a whole bunch of elements, you were typically going to a fancy fine dining restaurant with white tablecloths, um, you know, a special occasion sort of thing. And so what I really wanted to do was to take this environmental responsibility plus delicious locally sourced, um, you know, I want to say healthy, but tasty, food um, and bring it to a quick service format. And so that was really the idea around mixed. And so, you know, at at first you have an idea, you start talking to a bunch of friends, see what they think. Um, Most people told us we're absolutely crazy that no one would eat salad as just uh, as, as a meal. It was a, it was a side. It wasn't something Uh that could be a meal. uh Um, So it's awesome to see how far we've come in in 17 years. And, and Leslie, you got it. You were talking to like a, a, carnivore here where for me it's like i i want bread and meat and if they're vegetables optional right like that's that's my diet it is a very unhealthy quintessential american diet but honestly mixed was mixed was one of those restaurants where i went there and the first time i went there i was really kind of bummed out right i was like hey where do you go for lunch like oh mixed greens i was like And I showed up and I'm like, all right, it looks kind of hip. I like, okay, I like the vibe of this place. And then I ate it and I was like, that was delicious. Yeah. And, and, and so anyway, it, it turned into like my go-to uh, lunch spot in SF. So anyway, awesome. it's just 
really cool. So thank you for uh, thank you for doing that. Yeah, no, I think you know what we really wanted to break through was this idea that in order to eat healthy, you know, you were eating twigs and berries and all sorts of little things that didn't actually mm-hmm. taste good. Um, and so first and foremost, we always lead with our product and what we create. And we want you to love what you're eating, not because we know, you know, it's good for your body or that it's healthy. We want you to really crave our salads. Um, so that's, that's what we do. We go out and we create these awesome salads that fool you into eating five servings of vegetables yeah, <laughs> with and that's lots of good extra stuff. <laughs> They're not skimpy portions, no. you know, and, no. and granted, like, sure, you're not paying $3 for a burger, but like you're, you get a really healthy sized portion of it. And that was one of the things where a lot of other salad places and, and healthy food places in general, it's like, you go there and I feel like I paid a lot and I got a little Yeah. Uh, there. I felt like it was very fair pricing for mm-hmm. what you got. And granted, I always finished um, my salads. I'm a, I'm a big eater, mm-hmm. but every single time I went with other people, they brought, they brought salad with them to go. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I think that was, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's so true. I mean, everyone always jokes in our, in our, at our HQ because I, I can house a full mixed greens salad really quickly. And, you know, there's not one bit of lettuce or anything left. Um, and everyone's like, how do you, how do you eat all that? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not like that, a uh, banker who, what, what did he spend? He spent, he said he spent $29 at Taco Bell. It's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's hard to do. Um, now, now with all of this education, cause I mean, like you have the who's who of, of education in your, in your background. Um, what, how do you feel like those degrees have helped you be a successful restaurateur? Um, that's a good question. I, you know, I would say that it was, you know, my path in undergrad at, at Johns Hopkins that brought me to environmental sustainability and, um, which then took me to Oxford. (laughs) So it's been a, it's been a windy path for sure. Um, and then I did a business degree at Stanford. So I feel like actually they've all had a tremendous impact and bringing together what I do and, and what I'm really passionate about. And also, um, more than anything, just giving me the courage to try new things and not be afraid to make waves and um, kind of break convention. And I feel like we have always done that throughout the last 17 years and continue to do it. And um, I think a, a lot of that stems from just learning about different things and, and having that exposure. Now, you know, obviously, England, East Coast, West Coast, um, where where do you prefer living? Uh, well, I love to say that I grew up on the East Coast, so I love having an East Coast personality. That wait, wait, lives where where did you grow up? In the East I grew Coast? up in I grew I grew up in the good old NJ, uh, New oh, Jersey. I'm from Morristown. Oh, great! I'm from Chatham. <laughs> um, Neighbor. That's right. Um, so I love having an East Coast personality, but living on the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. What about England? Where where'd you fit in? How to how did England feel for you? Uh, I you know, I when I was there, I, I thought I was gonna stay for a while, um, you know, and, and continue to maybe work and and uh, live an expat life. And I just realized that I'm too friendly. And so, you know, I'd be <laughs> I, I'd be in the local Sainsbury's 
you know, turn to the person behind me in line and start talking to them. And, oh, you know, how are you today? Oh, look at the interesting things you have in your cart. Um, and then they would slowly back up and go to another line. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's like it's like the best way to keep the seat open to you in Southwest. Everyone that comes by, you just say, hey, you want to sit here? Hey, you yeah, want to yeah. sit here? <laughs> so, so do you feel like there have been um, any specific lessons that you've taken, especially like from your MBA? I'm curious about that because there's not a lot of people that go to Stanford, get their MBA and then open up a restaurant. Yeah. Um, Now, granted, you kind of did that, you know, all kind of congruently and uh, while you were living there and things, but what things do you feel like, what what are some common business mistakes you've seen in other restaurants that you were able to avoid? Well, I think, you know, when I, I started mixed and I didn't have my MBA. I had never studied business at all. I had never taken a business course. I was a geography and environmental engineering um, undergrad. And so I I was flying by the seat of my pants starting a business. Um, So, you know, I I remember being in a meeting once and someone asked what our EBITDA was. And I was Googling EBITDA under the table because I had no idea. Uh I, Um, I, I had that happen to me twice. The first time somebody asked me what a cap table was. And the next time somebody asked me what my Kager was and you know, both times it was like, you know, let me get back to you on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My note was look up Kager. How do you spell that? K- anyway. Yeah. K-A-G-E-R. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I really felt like we, we first started mixed, you know, I was just flying by the seat of my pants and learning everything on the go. And so um, that's why I, I took the time to go back and, and do my MBA because we, we'd really grown quite quickly and, I, I just wanted somewhat of a formal training behind what we were doing. And so I I think more than anything, it was about confidence and confidence in making decisions and saying, okay, yes, I have all this information. I've been able to distill it down to make the best decision moving what I believe moving forward and go and do it. So I think it's really um, leading with confidence and that decision-making process and feeling like you have the ability to dissect things to get to the best answer. Yeah. Now you, not only while you were doing all of this, uh, you also started and sold a tech company. (laughs) Yeah. So, so what lessons from technology do you feel like have, uh, did you bring into food? Yeah. So it was interesting because having, mixed, which is so tangible. You can walk into a restaurant anytime, engage with a customer, talk to them about what they're eating, what they like. You can see the look on their face. You know, that person that's super happy, you know, that's person that is, you know, maybe like questioning something and you can go and and just solve that problem immediately or, you know, engage and get that feedback. Um, With, you know, a tech company, it's so different. Because um, you can do surveys of your customers. Yes, you can, you know, reach out and have telephone interviews with them. But it's you don't get the ability to just walk in and see the energy and feel the energy around yeah, yeah. something. And so that's you know ultimately you know why I came back to Mix because there's just this energy around what we do with this both from our guests and then also from our teams that was honestly just so vastly different with a tech company, um, which, you know, 
was fascinating <laughs> in its own right and just a, a completely different beast. Um, but, you know, I love walking into our restaurants and knowing the people that are there behind the line and knowing their story, knowing um, their family members and um, their their history with us and people that have grown from being dishwashers to managers and people that have been salad chefs that are now on our HQ team. Um, I guess it just, in a way, it just it feels much closer to humanity. Right. And I feel like that's, that is something that we always talk about on this show is you can't take the humans out of hospitality. Yeah. And, and I love that, but, but I feel like the, the tech entrepreneurs that I've talked to who have gone into restaurants, they come at it with a sense of efficiency and mm-hmm. of relentless testing that the typical restaurateur doesn't have. They, you know, a typical restaurateur comes at it with a passion for food and hospitality and they deal with all the other stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and what's interesting is when you find someone who comes at it from a tech perspective, they come at it with a perspective of efficiency and scale, mm-hmm. and they deal with the food. Mm-hmm. You come at it from an interesting perspective because you have this passion for food and you come at it with this efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think there's very many people like you out there. <laughs> ah, that, well, I don't know. <laughs> find them. I need more friends. No, <laughs> no, but it's really cool. And I think that that's something that, you know, we can, we can learn from both sides of the table. Um, but it's important that, you know, y- you get, you can't have one without the other, right? Yeah. You, you need that yin and that yang to, to do that. Yeah. And all of that too, like you were saying, Leslie, is to create a great guest experience. And so with that in mind, what do you feel like is the most important aspect of guest experience nowadays? Yeah. Um, I think that, it's certainly shifted because of COVID Um, because when, regardless if you're fine dining all the way down to quick service, um, you know, we're fast casual. So a little bit uh, not towards the middle, but um, in between. And it, there are all these new channels for which uh, we're selling our product. Um, And so it's not just people walking in and having that experience. So, that's something that you can control so much. Um, now with third parties and um, all these other companies that have popped up to make it more of an omnichannel experience, uh, it's just, I think what's so important is making sure that you maintain consistency. Mm. And that's consistency of brand, that's consistency of flavor and taste and really meeting the guests' expectations. And might and, I add consistency of, of speed. Yeah. Right. It, to meet the guest expectations, to your point, it's like, you know, someone who you go in and the flavor may be consistent, everything may be delicious, but one time you go in, it takes five minutes. Another time you go in, it takes 45 minutes. It's like, I, I can't trust I can go there on my lunch hour yeah. if I don't know how quick it's going to be. Right. Yeah. It's exactly that. And I think, you know, really growing on that is that it's delivering value. And so that's, deliver- yes. that's delivering value in terms of the the time savings or the efficiency of making sure that you know that if you order something, it's going to show up or it's going to be ready when when you want it to be. Um, so I think that's really important to the guests these days. Um, and then you know always consistency of taste. So you know we want people to come and fall in love with our salads and, you know, we want them to be crave worthy where you go, you wake up in the morning and you're, you're thinking about, you're like, Oh, that would be so good to eat today. 
Um, and if you're having that thought, that's first of all, amazing. And then if you come and get one of our salads, we need to make sure to deliver on that. And so that's something we spend a lot of time making sure. That's the problem about restaurants and then with food in general is that it's every time you eat, it's always a second kiss. Yeah. In the sense that, all right, did I overhype it? Did I think it was better than it was? And then when you, when you have that second kiss, it's like, okay, here's, here's like, okay. Like, but the problem is every time you go out to eat, it's always a second kiss unless it's the first, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with, with that, what are some successful tactics or, or, uh, you know, any sort of tips that you would give restaurant listeners? Um, one thing we focus a tremendous amount of time on is our team training. And so that's not only in how our team members interact with the guests um, and, you know, what, what they bring to the table in that aspect, but also just um, in how we, what our expectations are, making sure they're crystal clear. And so our team members know what's expected of them and are able to deliver on it. Cause then that will then lead to that consistency and taste that's so important to the guest. And it also allows our team members to to really understand how to be successful in their their job. And so making that very clear then leads to happy team members and people that stay and people that bring their friends and really continue to build our culture. I love that idea of just clear communication expectation setting, right? Mm -hmm. It's what makes for a great CEO. It's what makes for a great parent. It's what makes for a great relationship. Uh, Brene Brown, I think, would be applauding this podcast right now. Um, and I think that's so true, right? It's like setting clear expectations of, of what it is and what it isn't, what's acceptable, what's not. Yeah. And w- what are some ways that you do that with your staff? Um, so it's, it's training. And so having um, trainers in our store, having our general managers really understand and be able to know how to train because you just because you move up to being a GM of the restaurant of a restaurant, um, we're asking a lot of things of you. We're mm-hmm. asking you all of a sudden to be able to manage more people on a larger scale. Um, we're asking you to be able to hit on all these consistency and, and deliver this product and and the time that we expect. But then we're also asking you to be an incredible trainer. Um, and so we find that it's really important to give our trainers the tools. And so whether or not that's manuals, it's going, I mean, it's very, uh, it's not rocket science whatsoever. Um, but it, it's just making sure you have all those tools in place, making sure people use them, um, and not just expecting people to use them, but then going and, um, inspecting to make sure that they actually do and really holding everyone to this very high bar and making sure it's very clear. And so again, like what everyone expects, they, they know what they're going to be held accountable for. And, you know, it keeps things running. I love that. An unplugged oven doesn't cook much, right? Like you, you can, you could buy all the best equipment in the world, but you need to make sure that people are using it. And I think yeah. that's where a lot of people fall short when it comes to technology implementation mm-hmm. is that they, they launch too much and they don't ensure the adoption of that technology. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, so any, any final piece of advice that you give to restaurateurs? Well, I mean, I think just on top of that, there are yeah. one of the interesting having, you know, both a tech background and then being in restaurants and being in San Francisco, we end up being the first place that most startups come to introduce their idea for 
changing the restaurant industry. Um, <laughs> for those of you, for those of you who are listening to this podcast, she flippantly raised up both of her hands. <laughs> well, I mean, what's funny is that when we first started mixed, I mean, it was everything, you know, there was two POS companies at the time. Um, that's it. There was micros and Aloha mm-hmm. full stop. Um, there, you know, there was, everything was still like spreadsheets. Everything was pen and paper. You know, it was, it was a very old school uh, way of operating and, you know, looking at what's happened over the past almost two decades, I mean, it's just transformed and there is everyone that's trying to sell you this solution and that solution. And, and, you know, again, like going to change the, the restaurant world, but the reality is unless you can really have the time to implement those tools effectively, it's just a waste of time and money. And so I think there's this very, um, important balance for restaurant tours to really think about is that there are a lot of great tools out of there out there now and there's a lot of uh technology companies that can solve a lot of problems but um there's also a lot of noise and so it's really being able to figure out what's going to be important for your operation and what's going to really move the needle first you know just another SaaS product that you're going to be paying for on a monthly basis that doesn't really uh do much especially if you haven't implemented it fully and have your team really bought into using it Man, you give me some really guilty uh, gym membership vibes right now, Leslie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Subscription models are amazing. <laughs> they are for someone. Um, so, w- with this in mind, who is someone that we should be, you know, following? Who's someone that deserves an ovation in the restaurant industry? Um, some of the people that I really look up to. Um, one is um, Brett Schumann at Kava. Um, oh, I think. Yeah. Kava has really done an awesome job of just really focusing on nailing their core concept, delivering a good product consistently and being able to expand on that. Um, And, you know, they've, they've just been able to really grow. Um, And it's been very impressive the way I feel like he has run that company. I think Um, also Lauren Bailey at Postino. um, Yes is doing an awesome job. I don't know if you've ever met her, but um, she just is taking that brand and really being able to codify it into something awesome and then be able to move it from one geography to another. And um, it's been awesome to watch her, her scale. And then I um, also love David Gibbs at Yum Brands. Uh And he, I feel like is just such a, thoughtful leader in the space. And then, you know, you talk about someone, I think he has 40,000 restaurants <laughs> that he's responsible for in some way or another. Um, and so you just think of the scale and of his team and how thoughtful it is about how to maintain that and grow it and um, support the industry as a whole. Awesome. Well, Leslie, how do people find and follow you? Um, well, we're, we're mixed.com and my XT or, um, at mixed on Instagram. Awesome. Well, for showing us and for being the perfect mixed of tech and food, today's ovation goes to you. Thank you so much for joining us and giving ovation. And thank you for cho- showing me that healthy food doesn't have to be bad. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Zach. Glad you're with us today. And thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. 
Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.